0: two. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. We're discussing this Chick-fil-A rezoning in Charlotte that uh, it has wider implications. I said that earlier, and it does have a lot to do with not just transit, transportation issues uh, in Charlotte, but also about this. And I kind of touched on it a little bit with the earlier caller, Christian, about the the urban core of cities that are struggling right now. I pointed this out uh I guess when I think it was when Joe Biden uh, at his inauguration maybe where he made the he made a comment or in one of his speeches thereafter he made a comment about uh you know our great downtowns, our great American downtowns, people need to come back to work. Maybe it was the announcement that covid's over or something. He he talked about this. This is a problem and it's a and, and I mean to throw in sort of a political angle on it it's a problem for democrats because this has been the areas right these downtown core areas where they have they've have run the show and if people vacate those areas and and disperse then the 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 sort of the, these uh, strongholds of of democratic party politics and elected officials they the, that is jeopardized now also, keep in mind this proposal for Chick Fil A. They want to tear down their old building and they want to put up just a drive-through only. And they say that that will actually speed cars through and uh, uh, in a more efficient manner. And it'll be faster. And it'll keep people off of the neighbor, or off of the surrounding roads. Not not totally, but it'll reduce the number of cars you know that are queuing up in line on the roads. Um, but also, as uh, Icky on Twitter points out in a Pete tweet says also it would ease staffing issues as well, right? So the restaurant is having problems, as everybody is, right, trying to keep people on staff. And so what are they to do? This is the workaround that they found. And if the city, if the government says, no, you can't, then they'll just continue doing what they're doing, I suspect, and the problems will persist. So it's important to keep this rezoning petition separate from This larger debate about car centric development, because this is already existing, right? Unless you're going to go in and and forbid Chick-fil-A from redeveloping at all and shut them down. The damage was done when the rezoning was approved. And look, the planning. Keep in mind also that the planners who are now telling us how to plan better and do it better. They are of the same profession as the people that originally told us to do it this way, <laughs> right? Right. The central planners got it wrong for a very long time. Hello, Independence Boulevard. My God, right? Run it right through the middle of the neighborhoods. Separate the city from the east side and all. And then put strip malls all the way out to, to Matthews, right? Or Pineville, I should say. right? so you went to Pineville, Matthews out oh, to Union County. Yeah, Pineville's before you get to right. It's been so long since I I I used to live off Independence. I will I do everything I can to avoid it. Although now they got the toll lane up there now, right? So it's turning it in, it's turning into an interstate. Was that the original plan for that? Heck no, they didn't plan on that being an interstate kind of road. But that's where it's going, and. These are the kinds of bad decisions that got made for a very long time, not just in Charlotte, but everywhere else. Because the central planners, and by the way, this goes back to like the beginning of planning. Right. When when somebody I think it was in the UK, they realized, wow, all these people in these homes live around this smokestack and they're all getting sick and black lung and asthma. So why don't we move the smokestacks away from them? And then, oh, look at that. People are getting uh, they're not getting as sick anymore. And planning was born. And so they started, you know, making sure everything was separate from everything else. Land use over here couldn't touch land use over there. And that's retail and that's office. And this is industrial and this is residential. And everything was separated. And they basically outlawed Main Street USA. Mixed use, right? That's what Main Street USA is. Both of my parents grew up above storefronts, one in Queens, one in the Bronx. And so they, this idea that you would walk to all of the daily essentials that you needed, this is this was common, right, throughout most of American history until you get to the point where. Uh, people start moving farther and farther away because they have have their cars. Is that for everybody? Do you put everything into a mixed-use designation? No. This is why I said I'm an all-of-the-above kind of guy. There are people that want the benefit of living in a suburb. They like living on a cul-de-sac. They like living on a quiet street. They don't want to be surrounded by city noises. And honestly, the people who have been running cities... You guys have not done a good job of selling the concept to a lot of people recently. I'm not sure you're aware. There's been some problems with some crime and some homelessness and right transit problems, as one of the earlier callers pointed out as well. All right, this is a larger issue. All right, let me get back to the phones here. John, welcome to the show. Hey, John.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: Pete? Hey, I'm good. What's up? As,
2: as Chick Fil A goes, just a drive-through needs more cars. But I do have a solution for the traffic in Charlotte, All Right, uh, particularly when it comes like the 77 and Tryon and South Boulevard. Have you ever gone to Florida down to, down to 95?
0: Uh, it's No. I mean, I was a kid, so no.
2: Uh, anyway, if you go down to 95 into Florida, when you get to Jacksonville, they used to have the same problem with the 95 as Charlotte as with the 77. But they built a loop around a 295, mm-hmm. and what they do is all commercial vehicles, all trucks over three axles must take the loop around. If they would do that here in Charlotte, all trucks going through Charlotte, coming north out of South Carolina, going past W.T. Harris, mm-hmm. they should make them take
0: 485, the
2: 485 loop.
0: Except for Coming I'm assuming, except for local routes, except for local deliveries. No, I, I understand that or any, but like except for I mean, how do, how do you get around local deliveries?
2: No, what I said was all. They, they, what, what they say is all food trucks. Right. Okay. I mean, local trucks are still going to have to go down it, but most most road drivers, I drive I drive local deliveries about Charlotte all day. Yeah. Most road trucks, guys that are going from. South Carolina going up towards Virginia. Right. They don't know anything about the 485. It's shorter, it's faster, and it would leave a lot of traffic on the 77.
0: That's a good idea, John. I appreciate the call. That's And that was actually one of the big fights when the loop was getting built, was there was a desire to do rezonings all at the exits. One of the big ones was the Albemarle Road. Um what was it? There was a big rezoning. I forget. Was it a grocery store or was it a – maybe it was a Home Depot or something or Lowe's or maybe it was a – rest. Uh, anyway, they wa- – the, the landowners wanted to sell to a developer, but the developer wouldn't uh, buy it unless they got rezoning approval to do drive-through restaurants, gas stations, all this stuff. It was a big fight, big fight, and the city council voted no. And I remember Pat McCrory, when he was mayor, uh, he may have even vetoed it, but the uh, – His argument was the purpose of the loop is to move cars around the city quickly. And if you put these kinds of developments at every single exit, you create backups because now you're creating locally generated traffic counts. People are going on and getting off specifically to use the services at that interchange versus pulling off and just going home. Right. Because when people pull off and just go home, they go they go away from the interchange. And it keeps the interchanges clear. And I will tell you, like, it is, a. Am- I will, so the, uh, was it the 485 leg, if you're looking at the south side of 485 from I-77 all the way up to 85, that southwestern, that bottom left-hand uh, part is awful in the afternoons. Awful. 485, it backs up at every single interchange. Why is that? I'm sus- I suspect it's Airsley. I suspect it has something to do with uh, the outlets, right? They kept put and look, I used to live off Highway 160. And we, when we moved there originally, my, uh, uh, the commute from Steel Creek into Charlotte to this radio station and my wife's commute as well uh, into Uptown took us about no more than 20 minutes. And by the time we sold the house about five years, six years later, the commute had gone to an hour because the infrastructure didn't keep up. And no, I'm not getting on a bus at 1 o'clock in the morning after I got off air here at WBT. I'm not getting on a bus at 1 a.m. to ride down to Steel Creek for a 40-minute commute. Because that's the other thing. You know, I can make the drive, even in rush hour, even in uh, uh, traffic, I can make that commute faster than a bus. Is the juice worth the squeeze? It is Talk 1110-993-WBT got a message here from Steven. He says, at one time I had no problem with public transportation until somebody was held up at the stop that I like to get off in NODA. If we had a train from Lake Norman to Charlotte, I would take it. Well, and this is what Pat McCrory always argued when he was mayor advocating for the light rail. He said it's about options. And you may not want to live along the South Corridor light rail line, but some people want the option to do so. And now, look, a lot of people have taken that option. My dad, I remember, he used to drive every day into the city, back and forth. It would take him, like, minimum an hour each way. That's a lot of time in your life wasted in a car until finally he got on the train. And he was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> he took the train in. But yeah, you could sit on a train, read the paper. I would say drink coffee, but you're not allowed to have coffee anymore. Although when you get off the train in New York, they give you uh, the opportunity to buy beer. They got little beer vendors on the platforms. Very odd. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the show. How are you, Linda? Earth to Linda.
1: I'm right here.
0: Hello. Hello. Are you at a Chick Fil A ordering right now?
1: I'm sorry. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you now. Yes. I'm sorry about that. Very smooth.
1: You know what? I can just say one thing. Okay. Um, I've been living in
0: Charlotte for 12 years.
1: And I never heard of chick fil until my daughter said, Mommy, please go get me Chick-fil-A for lunch. I was like, oh. It took me 25 minutes to get there. By the time I got to her school, it was over. Why don't they build more Chick-fil-A's instead of trying to just have one in one location? Right. On Pineville Matthews Road, there are five McDonald's five and i'm going i want King. i don't like chick-fil-a i don't even know what it is your mouth but why don't they just do some mathematical kind of research go more chick-fil-a's right maybe it's a location yeah no they're so focused on randolph road Go build two miles
0: over. Well, this is part of the problem, Linda, and I appreciate the call. This is part of the the issue, I think, is that uh, th- the city council gets to approve any new builds. This is, this is over. I mean, think about it. This is Chick-fil-A already existing and trying to make it better, and they're getting this kind of pushback. Imagine what kind of pushback they get when they try to develop a new building altogether. But... Theoretically, I'm on board as a, uh, you know, in, in theory, it's a, it is, it's, it, that to me makes the most amount of sense is you just need to put more Chick-fil-A's everywhere. More Chick-fil-A's. Put Chick-fil-A's, like, like do the, you know, like uh, what the Taco Bell and the Kentucky Fried Chicken, they do the joint store thing, you know, like they need to, and my wife, by the way, hates that because she says they that the KFC always suffers to the Taco Bell, but whatever. So the, I think maybe... Chick Fil A and Starbucks. Why not? Chick Fil A and Starbucks. Starbucks is already all over the place. How about that? Plus, you could get Wi Fi. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello, Bill. Yeah. Hi, Pete. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up?
3: Hey, yeah. So you know that that uh, Chick Fil A there. That's been a problem for a while. But yeah. When when COVID started, they they closed the inside. Of course, all of them went to drive through only. Right and 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 that made it worse and a lot of the most of them have opened the dining rooms but that one in particular is still drive through only they have not opened the,
0: the the dining room is that due to staffing issues
3: <laughs> that that I don't know yeah
0: that might be the case I don't know what the yeah what why that would be the case but you know for sure that they haven't reopened that dining room
3: I know they haven't reopened the dining room because yeah. we, we'd like to go there, but, you know, with grandkids, they like to go inside and play and everything. Yeah. So, you know, and I know you were talking before about, you know, should supermarkets, you know, not have, uh, you know, be walk-up only. Um, supermarkets have room for cars to park. Mm-hmm. So my saying, my I don't know if anybody mentioned this before, but my, my thing is if you don't have room the cars in the drive through you shouldn't be allowed to have a drive- through make it a make it a walk-in restaurant only
0: right and so how many cars should you expect there and th- and honestly this is why chick-fil-A is saying we should go to an all drive-through model is so this way they can get more lanes right and they can move the traffic through faster that's the idea you've just got a kitchen and you're slinging food out and I- I've seen a model of this in Asheville they there was one so and does it moves it moves very fast um So this is their attempt to mitigate it, but to your point, like that's why I suggested they got to go vertical, so they could queue the cars in sort of a parking deck fashion, go up uh, without a big footprint. Well,
3: I just I'm just saying if 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 any type of a restaurant, you know, pharmacy or whatever, if they don't have sufficient room for for drive-through, for the traffic, they shouldn't allow them to have a drive-through.
0: Right. So this gets to the the larger argument that uh, one of the earlier callers, Christian, was making was about car-centric development. And there actually there are people, and some of them are elected officials in Charlotte, that want to reduce the parking spaces per development, in an effort to force people not to own cars. Like particularly apartment buildings. So right now there's like a formula they use for the number of units equals the number of parking spaces that they need to build. And I forget what it is. I think it's like one and a half spots or something. Well, what they want to do is say, no, there are some apartments where you basically would not have a, you don't get a spot. And so people then would not have the ability to own a car if they lived at this apartment building. And they want to do this in order to force people to give up their transportation. So uh, th- that's so the the parking lot model that you just described that also is a problem for some of these uh, for some of these activists and some of these elected officials. The, the the idea that you would allocate spots in a parking lot for a grocery store that's too much too. You shouldn't be doing that either. Yeah.
3: Well, I in that in that neighborhood, if they had no drive-through. In, in all the drive through space, they made parking spaces between the little bit of parking spaces that they could get. And they they get a lot of walk-up traffic in that neighborhood because it, there's yeah. a lot of people that live close by. I, I, I still think they'd be as busy as they are.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Hey, uh, Bill, I appreciate the call. All right, take care. Uh, if you want to make a call, we got a bunch of people waiting. I got George, I got Joe, and uh, if you want to join them, 704 570 1110, 1 800 WBT 1110. The email is Pete at the Pete dot com. And um, yeah, see, Greg says, uh, Chick fil A is on the wrong team, Pete. The problem is uh, they got the wrong politics for Charlotte. Christian, not open on Sundays. Uh, yeah, the hate chicken, whatever the anti gay thing was. I have friends who will not go because of the politics. Now, I will say, Greg, um, up in Asheville, uh, Christy and I were invited to uh, uh, a a dodgeball event. uh, And uh, we were invited. There was a bunch of gay folks that were there that were running it and all. And it was like gay dodgeball. And so we went because we were friends with a couple of them. And we brought Chick-fil-A. We brought a Chick-fil-A nugget tray. And they were all fine with it. (laughs) They were all like, oh, thank God I haven't had Chick-fil-A in so long. (laughs) News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Dan says, Pete, in the course of completing an MBA in the early 80s, I had the occasion to read a very interesting group of studies developed by one of the marketing gurus of the fast food chains, who remains unnamed, I'm paraphrasing the three major rules, as I recall them, in the process they used in selecting a site for a drive through dependent fast food restaurant. Number one, traffic density. What are the traffic counts? Number of cars that pass by, especially BLD, breakfast, lunch, dinner periods, right? They had a formula. Number two, affluence factor. What are the ecographics or echographics, right? Income and affluence, demographics, sociographics. And while they still deny vehemently that they use them, yes, even ethnographics of a site in a specific zip code or circle of zip codes. Accessibility and traffic flow, the property's ability to stage waiting traffic as well as the inflow, outflow, and average speeds of the thoroughfare under consideration. There are a number of other must-have factors that determine whether they build on a particular site or not. It's an evolving science that changes regularly and remains a fascination to me. Um, yeah, the market research is definitely a part of these decisions, absolutely. Let me jump over here and get George on. Hello, George. Welcome to the show.
4: Yeah, Pete, good afternoon. Uh, I may have heard it wrong, but didn't Mr. Mister Winston just recently, wasn't he gung-ho for a bunch of new apartments back there on Colwick?
0: Oh, uh, I'm not sure. A big development right right by the Chick-fil-A.
4: Uh-huh. I believe it was a couple of hundred apartment units back there, and I've lived at Cotswold for almost 30 years off and on, and I can't afford to live there anymore because now yet, they're getting downtown prices for apartments. So the other thing I'd like you to ask Mr. Winston is, I've never heard anybody define affordable housing
0: they ha- I, oh, I can do that for you. What is what, what they? I mean, look. They use the term affordable housing as a way to avoid saying subsidized housing, right? That we all know that. So, what they mean though is there's a there is a formula, and it is based on the uh, the median price in a in an area and the the income uh, the cost of living adjustments. And yeah, stuff.
4: and an affordable housing unit is not going to be built in my backyard, for example. You take Sharon Road between Sharon Amity and Wendover. Yeah, those big mansions. Oh yeah. If a developer were be, would be able to purchase that land, how many million dollar condos would they build versus affordable housing?
0: Well, and this is this is the. Uh... This is the fight. And this is what happened uh, last year, right, with the, the UDO, the Uniform Development Ordinance, whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. where they talked about single-family lots that are now getting flipped, and they got rid of the designation of R, uh, R3, right, which is three units per acre. And now you'll be able to do duplexes and quadplexes on these sites. And so all of those mansions, yeah, they're going to sell. They're going to sell their property for millions of dollars, and the developers are going to come in there, and they are going to pack condos, multi-million dollar, it's already happening. When I first moved back to Charlotte, we were down in the South Park area, and Christy and I would walk around, and it was happening all over the place.
4: Oh, yeah, well, they tore down that one section of the uh, apartment buildings down there right next to South Park. Yep. You remember there's apartments in there nice yeah. apartments
0: Yeah that's and that is right next door to where I where we lived when we first got here I do not recommend you going there uh but yeah that whole because <laughs> it was awful but that's going to be a whole mixed use development uh there's going to be retail in there there's apartments up above and we lived in a retail uh mixed use development there as well um it yeah. was terrible but uh it, I mean it was uh it was very convenient we could I walked I, I walked to the grocery store right we would walk over to the mall we would uh, walk to the symphony in the parks area, right? We You had lots of stuff you could do. I enjoyed doing that. Um, unfortunately, South Park kind of got screwed on some of the, the sidewalk stuff over the years. Um,
4: <laughs> well, don't we all sooner or later?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and this is the thing. The city is changing, and it always will be changing. It's always going to be growing in different areas and in different ways. Some of those changes are going to benefit people. Some of them are going to harm people. And uh, that's sort of, that's life, right? That's the, that's the nature. I look at cities sort of like a breathing entity where they expand and contract, expand and contract. And, and you know, Charlotte is growing, but that it has all of these challenges that come with that. Um, George, I do appreciate the call. Let me jump over to Joe next here. Hello, Joe. Where are you going with that gun in here? Hello, Joe. Welcome. Hello, sir. How are you, my hey, friend? Hey, I'm doing all right. What's new?
5: Oh, not much. I just wanted to say I hope, I really hope that some of the city council, whatever, is listening to your show, because you could stake it, sure, say themselves a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially on this issue.
0: Yeah, maybe so. I suspect we're going to see tonight is probably a lot of people saying the same thing. What's the old saying in politics? Like, everything has been said, but not everyone has said it yet. And so I suspect we're going to get a lot of that tonight.
5: Well, you might, but to be, they still would save themselves some time and debate and thought and whatever. I was, you know, you, pretty much what I was going to say has pretty much been said. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> but uh, the one thought is that, you know, they could do a survey because, you know, all those cars are coming going in line there. They, you know, they're going to sit there for a few minutes, and they could have somebody out there doing a survey, finding out, you know, where they're coming from. And maybe it would be smart to me is to put another Chick-fil-A, you know, more in line with where those cars are coming from. And that would save a large part of the problem. And also, you know, have some walk-up windows. Mm-hmm. Here's but, a- uh, that plus another Chick-fil-A somewhere. But I would, you know, the cars are, are trying to stay in line. I would, I would give them a big-time ticket because, you know, there are times that, you know, I want to get into traffic but to kill the traffic's too heavy and i'm not going to block you know the road and uh for any significant period of time so i'm going to you know i go home
0: so i think that um al- along the lines of what you're saying about uh, asking people where they're coming from and essentially like why are you willing to wait in this line and uh because i mean to me that seems crazy i would i would not wait that long for any fast food um so right. so the I think the I think people are now more okay waiting in their cars cuz they're alone in their car but they're also with their phone. So they just kind of sit there and they get to catch up on all of their Instagram posts and tweets and Facebook messages, right? That's what they're doing for 20 minutes while they wait to order. Right? They're I killing time.
5: That's probably true because yeah. you right, I'm like you. I'm not waiting in line.
0: Right. <laughs> Yeah, but then, I mean, but you got people that if they're, you know, running to, if they got a lunch break and they're wasting 20 minutes in line at at lunch, that's a believable excuse to say I was waiting in line to get food versus I was, you know, scrolling through the gram to see all of the social posts and uh, that's why I'm late coming back to the office. So I think you know. So maybe yeah. So maybe if you give people more more room to queue and you give them tables to sit at outside and walk up windows, maybe it's a, maybe it, it it is a more efficient process. Uh, Joe, good to hear from you. I do appreciate the call. Um, Scott says I drive by that Chick Fil A every day. It is quite a uh, poop show. Just one of many blockheaded design flaws by our city. So much for forward thinking, huh? Yeah, this you know. A lot of you know, a lot of uh, the same people who are telling us that we need to believe them and we need to do what they are recommending on the design side of stuff now, they're cut from the same cloth as those very same people in those same positions who said we needed to do it the way that we see it now. Now, that's not to say that politicians haven't made really bad decisions over the years. They absolutely have, right? Politicians get money from developers who then... Uh, and the the, the the council members will then vote for projects, vote for things that that are not in line with whatever the plans are. I remember Pat McQuarrie getting a world of guff over the sidewalks and connectivity plan. People were very mad that we're spending money on sidewalks, but his point was you make a, you build the sidewalks now they last eighty years, and you then have a walkable city and you got more options and same thing with connectivity. It disperses the traffic around versus funneling it all into one thoroughfare, and he got a lot of pushback for that stuff. These are these are concepts of uh, neo urbanism, by the way. But yeah, I mean like things like the the width of a road. You drive faster on a wide road. You want to slow people down? Make it a thinner road. Put on street parking. People drive slower, just subconsciously. Most people drive slower versus speed bumps. Just make the roads thinner. Make your neighborhood roads thin. And your interstate roads wide. Hmm. I don't know. Do they have Orange Crush at Chick fil A? I do not know. Hey, on Friday, it's the 31st annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. We're stopping crimes, we're having barbecue. Looks like we're almost at a crime. No, uh, we're broadcasting all day. Actually, from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m., the event is going to kick off though for uh, the public at 11 a.m. Going to have live music. Uh, got a bunch of officials showing up. There's going to be the presentation of the law enforcement officer of the year, um, and we got the barbecue, of course. All of the details: UnionCountyCrimeStoppers.com/BBQ. Get the details. Uh, on how you can go tickets or plates whatever are 10 bucks each it is at the union county agricultural center and uh we'll all be there all the hosts will be there i'll be there noon to three driving all the way out there probably take me six hours round trip but with traffic all right spencer welcome to the program hello spencer how you doing i'm all right how are you doing what are you doing oh um, you doing dishes or something walk out the back door so oh. i can talk all right um,
6: my points. okay, have you ever been to Oslo? Oslo? In Oslo, in Oslo the light rail runs down the same streets as the uh, city traffic runs. They don't have any problems with that. Basel, Switzerland, same thing. The uh, light rail runs down the city street. The cars have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even Seattle, Washington, uh, they have a light rail that runs down the, the one city street that they got, it co- goes from the SeaTac Airport down to the middle of uh, Seattle proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no problem driving along with those trains. Okay. Um, but then there's Memphis, Tennessee. It's kind of a funny, funny piece. They have extensive light rail tracks on all the city streets in downtown close to the uh, Mississippi River, and they continually keep those tracks. In perfect shape. Only problem is, they can't afford they can't afford the uh, streetcars and trains, so uh, nothing is running on them. Um,
0: so what was so what's the point about the uh, comparing us to Oslo and the trains running on the streets and cars don't have any problem with that? What 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 was the I missed the I guess the analogy you were trying to make?
6: The analogy is this: it wouldn't be anything to put those tracks on streets instead of. Buying up land going around the city.
0: Oh, you're oh, sorry. And, so you're talking and, about the new.
6: When you do that, you invite uh, high density development. Yes. Just like the blue line.
0: Correct. That's the point.
6: If you went down the streets, you wouldn't attract that high dollar development.
0: I disagree. I think you would start seeing all of the flipping. You first, yeah, you're going to start seeing the same kind of concentration of high-density development along the corridors because that's where the city wants it to occur. That's the point. The point is to make the the highest-density uh, residential and retail commercial zoning along those corridors where the light rail is so people can get to everything they need without using their car. That's the, that's the whole point.
6: But, but if you uh, think about it for a moment, okay. um, the blue line went down through... South End, yeah, uh, places like uh, Sedgefield, mm-hmm. which was a a, a low income uh, housing and stuff, all those all those houses are gone now. They've been uh, bought up and made into McMansions on postage stamps.
0: Yeah, well, not all of them. I have friends that lived over there, but yes, there are a good bit of them that have, and that's that is going to happen whenever you've got the uh, the upward pressure on property values. Absolutely, the land becomes super <laughs> valuable.
6: If you run it down streets that are already developed, you don't have that.
0: You would, you, oh, you would, you would still have that. There would be homes that would then get redeveloped, and because that's happening in South Park right now, you got million-dollar lots that are being grazed. I mean, mansions being torn down so they could put two units on it and sell them. So that's happening all over South Park. That's, I mean, that's just development that's going to occur. The and the reason why the South Boulevard light rail line went down where it went was because the tracks. We could get the tracks. We didn't have to install the train tracks, so that's why the light rail uh, went that way. And, that, and on the airport side, uh, you said that SeaTax has got the, the the airport run, which is a good idea. And that's what they're trying to figure out. Uh, maybe they could run it down Wilkinson Boulevard or something. I don't know, but um, we lack originating traffic. We're a very busy airport, but not a lot of people leave from here, right? We a lot of our stuff is just uh, reboardings. Right? It's just, yeah, so it's not originating traffic, layover traffic. So that's why it's got to go all the way to Gastonia, I think. All right, news is next.